Turn to First Thessalonians 2. So here's the deal. <coughs> because Seth's coming next week, because the new leaders come in uh, two weeks, this is my last chance to talk to all of you before we have all of them in the room. And that is important to me because, um, you know, there are things, um, A, that I wouldn't teach on or say right from the get-go um, that might um, both, you know, be difficult or challenging for them as far as when they're just getting their feet wet with what they're doing. But more importantly, here, here is what's really important here. Um, we talked about the, what's going to happen with us growing-wise, which in the years past, there have been times where this leadership, um, there are probably two different points where this leadership was starting to move in a direction size-wise, growth-wise, that we were going to get close to 100 leaders in our leadership. And in both cases, when that happened, they were about four or five years apart, um, we split off and started a new area. So in one case, the first time, it was southeast Cincinnati. We had work going in New Richmond and Amelia and Glen Esty, I think, were the three schools that we were running from here. You know, they were schools on our board, and they were just part of our area. And we just it was just too far away for us to continue to manage. So we took the 20-ish leaders that were a part of that southeast Cincinnati, those schools, and they actually started their own leadership. We, they moved out, started their own leadership in southeast Cincinnati with the vision of, uh, let's start a, a Young Life area, which now exists today, southeast Cincinnati. Um, you know, Sean Coon's the area director, and, and they, I don't know how many schools there are in, six or seven schools over there. But um, so, that, so that kind of shrunk our numbers again. The other time that was about to happen, um, we decided to start Urban Young Life. And we took the same thing, exact same thing happened. This is four or five years later. Um, we've got school uh, work going on at Holmes and Newport and Bellevue. And Kevin and Katie Williams are in here. And, and we all have a vision that, hey, Cincinnati Urban, not just the urban schools here in northern Kentucky, but let's do the whole city, Cincinnati Urban. Let's get that thing going. And we took our 20-ish leaders sent them over, and they started their own leadership with Kevin and Katie. Um, they started getting into Withrow and other schools, and, and Cincinnati Urban became an area, too. So once again, as we were getting close to that, we you know bumped off 20, 25 folks to um, kind of keep that from happening or whatever. Um, I am not setting us up for a split, in case you guys are thinking. <laughs> so anyone who lives in Campbell County... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, now that what I am setting up for is saying that I don't see that I don't see God doing that in our community. In those times, it's always been about you know we're following the Lord, we're listening to what He's doing. That, that just isn't where we're at. What I hear right now, what I see happening is we're just going to grow, and there's probably going to be about a hundred of us um, this this school year, and that is going to be bigger than we've ever been before, and. Uh, because of that, um, it is of even a higher importance that we, this group, the group that has been here for at least a, a year, have a very healthy understanding of who we are and what we're doing. It's so important. Because that, if we understand that, if we are on board with that, if we know who we are, if we know what we're doing, 
We know what God has for us. We're, we are single-minded in understanding this is what we do. Then that will leak out of us and be, become, continue to help be who we are. If we are not understanding that well, if we're not clear on that, then when we add in 25 more people who, are, who have no idea on those things, literally, no idea what they're about to get into, right? I mean, you guys were all freshman leaders at some point, okay? And you thought you knew what it might be like, but you probably didn't really know what it was going to be like. And now, looking back, you're like, yeah, I, I, it is different, or this is different, or this is not, you know, whatever it is. They're the same way. So they don't know. So adding that in would just create so much more uncertainty, which would really cause us as a team, as a group, as a missionary group, to, um, to be hamstrung. It would cause us to be, um, to be limping along um, and just getting by. And that's not okay. Um, we, we, we aren't going to do that. Um, it's not who I am, and it's not who the older leaders in this room are, and it's not who we are going to be. Um, we're not going to limp along. We're not going to just make it. We're not going to be confused about what we're doing. Okay, we are, we are who we are, which we're going to go through, and we do what we do, and we're we're not doing other things. We're not someone different or something different. So that's what we're going to look at this paper. Many of you have seen this, the core principles. Okay, um, I'm going to review these um, just as a reminder of some things. And again, please keep in mind as we're doing this, remember these, these are things that have been set, you know, you can see in there it's been uh, established and modified several times over the past 20 years where we've continued to say this is who we are at the core. This is what we do at the core. This is the, 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 the thing that we have to be about. And so this is something that we all, not only do we all buy into, and it's not only something that I'm going to, you know, we teach to the new leaders as they come in, but it has to be modeled. It has to be modeled. There, there's nothing more important than modeling. I mean, you guys have heard, you know, uh, uh, you know, what you're doing speaks so loudly I can't hear a word you're saying. You heard that before? Because the things you do, more is caught than taught. Whatever, there's so many different little things, but... You, you, what we do really is going to teach all the new leaders who we are and what we do. That's it. I can blah, blah, blah until I'm blue in the face. They can sit in their little training and do their little quizzes and, and be like, oh, this is so hard. I don't know. You know, and do their, they get all, do their thing. Okay? But I'm telling you, it means nothing if I say one thing and then they go visit your team and then they go watch your life, which they will be watching you closely now. And they become a part of your team in the winter. That, that means everything, what they see. That's it. It doesn't matter what I said in that meeting. Okay? So this has got to be so ingrained in us. We really need to make sure we understand these things well. So a lot of the core principles were born out of 1 Thessalonians 2, just by way of a chapter that... Uh, Paul wrote that was kind of encapsulating um, his ministry um, and what he was doing 
uh, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, one of the best chapters that there is when it comes to our missional work. Um, just to focus on one, if you look at 1 Thessalonians 2.8, and this is a, a, a verse that all of you know, hopefully. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. You know, in the NIV it says, we share our very lives with you. This is, this is kind of at the core what we do. And I'll be honest, this alone, this very first thing that I'm talking about, this really separates us from most Christians that there are in Northern Kentucky. Because a lot of people have good intentions, a lot of people want to volunteer at something, but very few people are willing to give their whole life for the mission that God has for them. It's, it's not just, I'll, I'll volunteer a couple hours, it's not just I'm going to show up at some meetings, it is, this is who we are and what we do, and we are going to give our whole selves to it. All that we have. We, we, we might have to go to class, we might have to work some, a job to make some money, We're gonna have, we might have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we might have these other things in our life, but our lives center around and revolve around what our ministry and our passion that God has given us is. The same as Paul, who wrote it. He basically said, hey, when I showed up in Thessalonica, I didn't just show up and tell you some stuff, run some meetings, and try to convince you of this and then of this gospel and then, and then take off. He, he showed up and said, you are going to become my best friends. You are going. I'm going to give my whole life to you, to this mission, to this thing. And you know, you, you try to communicate that to new leaders, like you know, and and it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like talking to an, a couple that's engaged when they're about to get married, and and because Amy and I, you know, we'll do like counseling time, and you talk to them, you're like you know, gosh, you know, you're going to fight and it's going to be tough. And they look at each other and like, oh, we're going to fight. <laughs> you know, no, I'm like, no, really, like, you're, it's really going to piss you off that, like, the way she does the toothpaste. And you're like, oh, that's, I know, it's going to make me so mad that, you know, he squeezes the toothpaste from the wrong end or whatever. <laughs> and you're going to be like, you get it? Like, married couples are like, you're like, okay. So we always tell married couples, any of you guys that remember this, we always tell them, hey, you need to meet with us a year into your marriage, right? Because then it's like, then they're sitting there and they're like, yeah, it really does piss me off. (laughs) I'm frustrated about it, right? But pre-going into it, there's just this kind of like, because of the sincere excitement about getting married, that stuff just has this like, oh, it's going to be great, you know? New leaders are exactly the same way. I mean, they really are. I mean, I sit in that meeting, and we try to scare them, like, you're going to have to do all this stuff, and it's going to be so hard, and, you know, and you're going you're gonna to just be frustrated, and you don't want to do contact work, and you're going to hate going, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I just told you it's going to be hard. Why, is this, why do you think it's going to be awesome? It's the exact same thing, right? That's what we're communicating, but we know, because we've been doing this, just like a married couple who's been married, it is true. And it's, and it, I'm making light of it, 
But in some senses, it's not funny, right? It's not fun. When you are fearful to go and do that contact work because you don't know any of the kids and your campaigner kids aren't there, you're, you're afraid to walk in because you don't know how they're going to respond to you, that's hard. Like, you feel like every part of you will say, yeah, I don't want to do this. Maybe I, sh- I, oh, I, I got a thing in two hours I probably should get ready for. And you sit in the car and you don't get out of the car. It's like, I should get out, but I mean, this is what we do. It's, it's not easy, right? Like, we know that. And I say it, I say it to new leaders, and they're like, oh, yeah. And you say it to you guys, you should be able to, like, yeah, I've been there. There have been times where I didn't want to. There have been times where I've been sitting there talking to my key guy, and I'm like, what? And your heart is sinking because he's telling you he's not sure he wants to follow Jesus anymore. And you're just like, oh, okay, I'm with you, I love you. Let's keep talking. And but down here, you're feeling this sickness, right? That's what that's what it's like. That's that happens. That's true. So we know those things are true. We live these things out. We have to be people who are passionately, deeply involved, like Paul was, at that level. Because the stories that I'm talking about don't happen for people who just show up and volunteer. And that's why that's why not a lot of Christians do it. Because it is hard, right? It is not easy, right? Uh, so let me go through these. I'm not I, I'm not going to take forever on this stuff. I really don't want to. So um, the first thing is uh, we broke this down into a couple sections. First is with Christ. Obviously, the most important thing about us are these elements. First, that we're glorifying God by intentionally being like Jesus in everything, sacrificially bearing our cross, motivated by God behind us, and the return of Jesus in front of us. Okay, So this is the the kind of overarching statement that has to do with our lives being about glorifying God in all that we do, but more specifically as we are running after this ministry that God has for us, we have to keep in mind that we are trying to be like Jesus. This is about Jesus. This is another thing that new leaders just, you say it, and it's like, it's the it's funny because it's that overarching you know statement like, you know, Jesus died for you. And they're like, oh yeah, that's great. And you're like, you know, oh, you don't understand. Like, like I cry all the time because Jesus died for me. What? What? Yeah. Is that for us? You know, like there's just like this. It's like this statement that doesn't. You know, we do this for God's glory. We do this. We're sacrificial. God behind us. What's coming in front of us? And you say something overarching like that, and it just kind of in one ear and out the other. But again, for us, we have to keep that in mind because the bottom line is when new folks come in. I mean, I, I don't mean this in any kind of way that's judgmental, because I don't know. I really have no idea. But I truly think a lot of people come into leadership, and I'm not sure they're Christians. I just don't know if they're even to that point yet. But you will either leave frustrated and giving up on Christianity, or you'll make it through this, and you will know Jesus. Because 
because of this. This really becomes real. This becomes something like, no, either you're doing this really because of Jesus, or you're going to quit. You know, this isn't, you know, because if you're doing this because you want to be with your friends, or you're doing this because you think it's cool to be a young life leader, you're going to find out really quick, right, that, you know, that all isn't true. And if Jesus isn't why you're here, if his, your passion for him, your desire to glorify him, the motivation of him behind you, and the vision of what he has for you in front of you, then you'll be, you'll be done, right? We have to know that. When you are discouraged, when you're not sure, when you, you've got to remember God behind you and all that he has told you, all that he has girded you up for, all that he has built into you, and the vision of what's in front of you, all the way to heaven, not just right in front of you with what God is going to do at your school this year, but all the way to heaven and what God has for you. From there and everything in between, that vision is what you're running after. All in the midst of that, it's all about Jesus, all about bringing glory to God. That's what keeps us going. Two, to be spirit-led by deeply saturating prayer and the Word into our lives. So this kind of fit hits three main things. Listening to the Spirit, which we've talked about, being prayerful in all that we do, and then being saturated in the Word, trusting in the Word. You know, I've gone, I've, we've talked about the Word, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about listening to the Spirit at different points. But those three things have to be the activity and the living, breathing dailiness of who you are. You listen to the Spirit every day. You walk in the Spirit every day. You saturate your life with prayer, and you saturate your life with the Word as you go. It's not complex. It's not, you know, this is, but this is who we are now. The, the uh, you know, next week Seth's going to, you know, talk about, you know, a difficult thing. But you guys have, we are people, if you're in this room and you're going to stay in this room, you trust the word. You don't trust me because I said it. You know, it's Acts 17.11. You know, just because, you know, Paul said something doesn't make it true. You know, you look at the scriptures and if the scriptures say it's true, that's what's true. That's what God says. That's not what I say. It's not what Seth says. It's what the Bible says. We trust the word, okay? There, that, is, that is the a, a very, very foundational piece of who we are and who this community is. Without it, I don't even want to go into a whole lesson on the word, but because you guys have heard me talk about the importance of it before. But these are things that, um, that, are, that are for us. Number three, that we would be authentic people, always keeping an attitude of humility towards others, by keeping the gospel at the center. Of course, it's about having humility, and then it teaches us how to have humility. If you are centered on the gospel, if your life is continually reminding yourself, remember when I talked about um, uh, the importance of preaching the gospel to yourself every day? That wasn't too long ago, right? And I talked about the importance of that. If you do that, you will walk humbly. Because you're constantly reminding yourself of your desperate need and how far you've fallen and the desperate need you have for Jesus to save you. And you realize over and over again it's not about you, but it's about Jesus and what he's done. So being gospel-centered creates the humility and the attitude of being authentic with people. And this is important, too, because I don't... I, 
you know, it's funny listening to, uh, you know, as Maddie has been getting involved in Young Life stuff now, um, she she's the, um, you know, they, they get all like, I don't even know where they get it. They get angry at other Young Life areas. Like, Bleh, they don't know what they're doing. I'm like, what? why would you say I'm like, you know, they'll, they'll say it like, I'm like, Kevin Warnick went to Connor High School. He, they do the same thing we do. Oh, it's not like Northern Kentucky. Listen. Now she's young. She doesn't know, right? She's just trying to figure things out. But I say that to say, somehow, somewhere, that happens with us. And I'm not sure how or why, okay? But that's not, that's right here, that's not who we are. Okay? We are who we are. We do what we do. But that doesn't make us better than anyone else who does whatever they do. Whatever God does in this area, however big it is, however amazing it is, whatever God is doing, it's what God is doing. And I love all of you, but I promise it me, it needs none of you. It doesn't need me. It doesn't need you. It doesn't need, you know, Zach Payne or someone who's been here for a hundred years. Like, it doesn't need... It's not that old, right? <laughs> it doesn't need doesn't need us. You guys, I mean, really, you got to comprehend that. you got to understand that. Okay? This is not, you know, and so we, we, because of the gospel, because of an understanding of who we are, are authentic, have an air of humility. And the opposite of that is, you know, is childish. Is is foolish, and is not Christ-like, right? All right. So that's with Christ, with each other, as a community, we all do our best to love each other, live together, and work together as a biblical family is made to. Okay, this is uh, super important by defining that we are a community. Now, we are now a large community, and we are becoming an even larger community, okay? So I understand that within the context of any community, in the context of the biblical communities, there's great things that happen. There's times where you're with some people in leadership or your leader team or your Bible study, and you're like, that was just great. I just, you know, we were just sitting around the fire eating s'mores and talking about God and and we all just felt really good, you know, whatever, okay? Like, I know that happens, but I also know there's other times, right? You come to leadership, and you're like, everybody hates me. Nobody talks to me. Why am I here? I know. Because that happens to everybody. I know you think it's just you, right? That, that you're the only one, especially when that comes to your mind. But it happens. That's If you read through all the stuff that happens in communities, in biblical communities, you read through all the church stuff, that's like every book of the, uh, after the uh, Acts, every book that was written by Paul or whoever was all addressing all those things. Right? It was all about trying to help the communities right? to see that, hey, there's hard times, there's tough times, there's ways you feel, times you feel great, there's times you feel connected, there's times you don't feel connected. Okay? But... Just like a family, okay? This is biblical, and this is who we are. We're just going to do our best. That's the expectation. Okay? 
And I, you know, whether I'm sitting up here teaching or talking about gossip and slander, like, we don't do that. Whether I'm talking about, you know, being critical or angry or whatever the things are that, that are so clear scripturally that are things that we want to say no to as a family, right? I'm not saying by any stretch those things aren't going to happen. Like, there aren't going to be hard times. You're not going to get your feelings hurt. I'm not saying somebody, right? I mean, in a community this size, people talk way more than they should. I wish that we didn't. I wish if, you know, trying to help people understand uh, if you're talking about something and it's not about you, you really need to think about what you're saying every time. And we don't, it doesn't even come into our radar. We'll be like, yeah, you know, Jimmy, did you hear what happened to him? You could believe that. You know, blah, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I heard, did you hear this part? You know, and you just, you just talk about that stuff. And it doesn't feel like you're doing anything, right? I mean, I've been in those conversations where suddenly you're like, whoa, wait a minute, right? But that, you need to have a radar up. Like, am what I'm, am what I, am what I'm saying affirming? Is it something that if Johnny were sitting right here, I would still say? Is it something good or positive? Or is it something that's, you know, not my business? It's just, these are just simple things. I'm not going to go into a whole lesson on community and community life, okay? But, but because my point in this part is this. We're going to do our best. I'm going to do my best. Johnny's going to do his best. Even though he's going to leave us for another year. Gosh, that's, yeah, I guess. <laughs> right? We're going to do our best. Okay? That's, that's the expectation. Okay? If I feel like you're not doing your best and you're harmful to the community, that, that will be a problem. And there are, I've had many conversations with leaders where I've said, you're harmful to our community and you need to stop. You're critical. You're angry. You're causing conflict a lot. needs to stop. Okay, like I'm not saying you're not going to feel angry. It's you know Ephesians four. In your anger, do not sin. Right? God doesn't say, hey, if you feel angry, you know you've sinned. Clearly not. He basically says, when you're angry, don't sin. And that's the expectation. We're going to do our best to love each other. Okay. When you show up at Bible study. Stop showing up at Bible study expecting to be get, given to. Show up at Bible study trying to give. Do your best to love the people there. Okay. When you show up at your leader team meeting, show up doing your best to love them. All these new leaders are going to come in, and you know they're going to be almost like baby Christians. You know what I mean? That's kind of how they'll act, and they'll show up at every leader meeting, right? And they'll just, you know, they'll show up visiting your club, and they'll just sit there, and they'll be like. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, you'll be like, so if we did, did you have a good time? You'll be like, oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, and they're like, they're already set up though, thinking like, okay, that they're being being taken care of, and I want us obviously to love them, but we also need to start helping them to understand, like, hey, when you're showing up at our stuff or anything, you show up to give, you show up to love. Okay? That's who we are. Right? Again, this is going back to who we are and what we do. Um, 
As a community, we will live differently, as if aliens to this world. We will hold each other to lifestyles that are above reproach. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the early church, um, because I think that I've always wanted or felt like God has led us in a way that we have a lot of similarities to how the early church operated and what we do. And, um, and so I've always been very encouraged by the scripture and both the study of what was going on in the early church. If there was one characteristic that most scholars would say separated or made the early church a powerful witness, it was this. And you guys have heard me talk about this at different points in leadership, the importance of us being different, looking different because of, of who we are and our choices. Okay? And this is something that is not negotiable. If you don't want to live differently, if you want to be a college kid and go party and do the things that they do and have fun with whatever, I'm by no stretch judging that. By no stretch. I'm sure there are Christians who do that. Not in here. Not us. We are going to be different. You are going to give up things that other Christians don't give up. You're going to not do things that other Christians don't not don't do. Okay? I mean, you don't have to look farther than preachers to find people saying things and using words that we're not going to use. We you know, that is who we are. That is this community. Okay? And if that doesn't fit you, that's okay, but you need to be mature enough and smart enough. You need to go pull yourself out. Don't make me have hard conversation with you like I have had with many leaders in the past, several leaders in the past, and say, look, you're not living to the standard that we want people to live to, and you really need to go. Okay? This is, this is not a, there's no grays here, just so you guys know. Okay? And I'm not, this is not a comparing to other Young Life areas. Again, whatever they do, however things are done, I don't even know to be honest, most of what happens in other areas. But I'll, I'll be very frank with you on this. I don't care. I don't care what another area does. I don't care what, you know, but when I sit, and, and it's not just me, but the older leaders, and, and this kind of stuff is talked through, and we're always working on the vision and the, and the area direction, okay? It is consistent. This is who we are. This is how we're going to be, okay? We're going to be above reproach. I don't want you doing anything. You know, I mean, I keep hearing, you know, because I got a little, uh, I got an inside source with the new leaders um, that lives in my house. Uh, so I got a little inside track, okay? But I keep hearing about how late they're all being out together. And I keep thinking, they're all going to get fired before they even start, right? Okay? There's no reason for girls and guys to be hanging out together at three in the morning. No reason doesn't need to happen you know that that turns into somebody falling asleep on your couch and spending the night that turns into a high school kid hearing that julie spent the night at jimmy's house and their leaders and then you know where that rumor goes that's not above reproach it's not complex okay be an adult right we talked about this a little bit it's time to grow up when we get in here say good night okay if you want to take, you know, you and some guys and you want to stay up late talking and doing some really healthy stuff, that's great, okay? 
but be smart. Okay? Right? Young leaders, new leaders coming in, they're this is just like free for all, right? I mean, you know, they it's like do whatever. But when as they grow and as they catch on to things, they'll quickly pick up like, hey, you know, it's getting late. It's like I mean, literally, I said to Cooper one time, it was like after midnight, it's like, it's pretty late. And he's like, Dad, I just got here. <laughs> it's like 12, 12.30. It's just just starting. And I'm like, Jacob, listen, I don't care what everybody else is doing. You're leaving at 2 o'clock. And, the, and in my mind, I'm thinking, that is way too late. Okay? So, but I'm just thinking it's too late because I... <laughs> Nick. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyway, you guys get what I'm talking about. The importance of being above reproach. We're not going to do things that are going to put young life in a position, your ministry in a position. Here, here, catch me. Look at me and just understand this. This is what I need you to understand. What we do is way too important for that kind of crap. It's just not worth it. I don't care. I mean, whether it's, you know, dip or something, it's not that big of a deal or a little bit of hookah or whatever. I don't even know. I know I'm probably back like 20 years ago. <laughs> what are those things? I know those are. Vape. What? Vape. Oh, yeah. Those are Right? But listen. Guys, hear me. Look at me and understand this. Okay? What we do is way, way too important to be messed around with with stupid things that don't matter. And that is completely biblical. That is completely... What Paul is saying, he's like, look, if what you eat or what you drink causes a problem, don't eat, don't drink it. Who cares what you eat or drink? Because the gospel, preaching the gospel, making disciples, telling people this is life and death. This is a big deal. What you eat, what you drink, what you smoke, whatever, that's not a big deal. Okay? So that's the heart behind this. Okay? So that's with each other. With the mission. Our vision and dream for every young friend will be that they become reproducers of reproducers in their life. 2 Timothy 2.2, something we've hammered, something we talk about over and over again. It's the first point, it's the most important point of the mission that we do. It's the Great Commission, go and make disciples among the nations. It is not about preaching the gospel. It's not about, I mean, it is completely about the vision that you have for what the gospel will do in your young friends' lives and who they will become. Success, which is super hard to measure, okay? I mean, people all the time, okay, because we have such big numbers when it comes to camping or the numbers like total club or whatever, we have such big numbers, people all the time are looking at those numbers and seeing success. And I promise you, okay, I don't see it that way I tell people that we don't see it that way, and you got to not see it that way. I don't care if you had 150 people at club. I don't. I promise you what I care about is this. Are there some young friends that are on the verge of becoming reproducers of reproducers? What is happening with that? That is our focus. That is our passion. And I'm not by any stretch against a lot of people coming to club. We want that, right? The more people that come, the more energy is, the more they hear the gospel, the more opportunity there is for reproducers of reproducers, 
Okay? So that's not a negative thing. But that's not the success part. Okay? I mean, I can't... I promise, like... And I know I'm old now, and I'm probably because I can't remember things anyway. But even if I could remember things, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to remember how many people came to club in all the years that I was at Boone or Connor at Rock. I don't even know. Like I don't look back and think, "Oh gosh, I remember when Kevin uh, Warnick and Kayla and Shannon were all at Connor. We had like 150 people at club." I don't. Even, I don't know if that's true. For all I knew, we had 50 people at club then. Because we did have years where we had 50 people at club then, or in Connor. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't remember what comes out of the ministry isn't, oh, we had this great events and these great numbers and all these people coming to things. That's not what's remembered. What remembered is Kayla. What's remembered is, you know, the people that came out of the ministry. The, the disciplers, the reproducers of reproducers. That's what you'll remember. That's what we do. Seven, to uphold true our incarnational, relational, missional work by living and volunteering in our communities. The original young life uh, thing of winning the right to be heard. How vitally important is it that we keep that in front of us? Um, you know, I talked about the anxiety of doing contact work. It, we can't ever stop doing that. I mean, every single one of you, listen, when the new leaders show up, be, think to yourself of the things that you're modeling, and let me give you an encouraging thing, a challenge to model for them. Show them how to meet kids that you don't know. Show them how to talk to kids who you have never talked to or rarely talked to. Do it. I mean... And if you're not good at it, and that scares the crap out of you, you need to do it even more. Because the only way you're going to get good at it is you just do it. Okay? I mean, somebody was joking with me the other day about me all me passing out blow pops at you know Connor High School. Because I always had a pocket full of blow pops. You know why? Because I was always looking for a reason to get up and go somewhere. So I'd get up and I'd go get in line, and I'd try to find and talk to people along the way, get some blow pops... You know, and then I'd start walking back, and, and of course I'd be like, hey, you want one? You know, like, <laughs> now I didn't do that to somebody I didn't know. Okay? No, trust me. Now, but, it, but if there was, if I was there with like, so I talked to a guy I kind of know, you know, he takes a blow pop, you know, and then the other guy next to him who I don't know, sure, I'd be like, you want one? You can have one. Whatever, I got a bunch of extra. Right? But here's the thing, okay? All I'm saying is, you just have to be about continuing to work to meet people you don't know, to stretch yourself in a missional sense, working to win the right to be heard. I mean, every person, right? I mean, I mean, it's, I guess if you've never started a new ministry at a new high school, you don't have the experience of every single Connor kid. I knew before they knew Christ and didn't I didn't know them. Every single Boone County kid, I didn't know them until I mean I when I knew them, I saw them from a distance and prayed for them and saw them in a yearbook. Does that make sense? Like and then found God giving opportunities for me to not I mean a whole nother lesson for us to talk about how to be cool, okay? Cuz 
you know, you can be stupid with this kind of stuff, right? You can't just hand blow pops to strangers, okay? They definitely be like, what are you doing? Right? Okay? But God will open doors, okay? I mean, the kids are all one big relational net anyway. They are all connected. It's not hard, right? You just, you talk to Jimmy, who you've met a couple times, you say, hey, how's it going? I, I saw you out the soccer field. It's going great. And he's sitting there with some other soccer player you've never met. And you're like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, do you play soccer too? Yeah. What's your name again? Boom. And then it's just, you know, you're just meeting people. It's not hard. Winning the right to be heard. A, to have genuine compassion for the individual and not the organization. Always people over program. Okay. We are, it's vital that we not lose sight of this with the size that we are. Okay. If, you know, here, let me give you an encouragement about this. Do not ever let, and I'm going to say it like this, do not let club ever become a burden to you. You know, I get, I've had lots of conversations with leaders, especially older leaders, when they start getting to some place where they feel burdened by club. But you know why they feel burdened? It's not because of club. It's because they have started pressing in on the program side so much that that burdens them. Does that make sense? That's the burden. The burden is the songs and the skits. And is it going to go well? Are our kids going to show up? And are we going to have fun? And is, is the skit going to be funny? Are the kids going to remember what to do? What am I going to say in the club talk? Is the club talk going to be good? Like, that's the burden that people feel during club. That is not... You, you have, we've got to be people over program. Now, I'm, by no stretch am I advocating not planning. In fact, I would argue the better you plan the more you can go in and just be all about the people. Does that make sense? You got everything planned out. It's all set. You don't got to walk in there an hour before club and be like, I can't talk. We got to do this. Where's this? Did you get this? Oh my gosh. Did we forget this? Where we got to get all this good? Okay, I got to write all these things out. Okay, we got to get the playlist ready. Look. And you're doing all this stuff. You don't have time for kids because you didn't plan. The better you plan, the more you're going to be able to walk in an hour before club and all you're going to do is say, Who can I love? Who can I give some attention to? Who can I meet that's showing up that's new? Right? People over program. Okay? Make that always the priority. Okay? And who's burdened by that? I mean, if you're just showing up at club every week and your goal is to just have fun and meet new people, that's pretty easy. Right? That's not a burden. That's what we do. That's ministry. Eight, or nine, our zeal for the mission would be evident in our passion for life and overflowing joy coming from Jesus in us. It is a sin to bore a kid with the gospel. Another famous Jim Rayburn quote. This kind of hits back at number one. That if Jesus and the gospel is at the core of who you are, there will be a natural joy and zeal that will flow from your life. The more dependent you are on Jesus, the more leaning on Him you are, the more that that naturally happens, and the more you'll naturally lean into being a person that represents Christ in a not boring way. Okay, and I, I'm, I don't want us to lose sight of that. You know, in the very first five years of this area, this was a big deal. 
because nobody knew what Young Life was. Nobody had ever heard of it. So every single thing we did, every meeting we had, every time we talked to kids anywhere, it was reflecting on what is Young Life, this new Young Life thing. And we knew, and we purposely, pur- purposely said, it's awesome. And we weren't doing it to try to make Young Life awesome. We were doing it for one reason only. One reason only. We wanted to totally destroy the biggest stereotype that we felt like high school kids had, which was being a Christian is boring. We just we wanted to destroy that. We wanted to destroy that with being being free and, and adventurous people in who we were, and we wanted to destroy that in every event that we ran. We wanted to destroy that in our attitude towards things. It was, we, we're, we are, and Jesus Christ is the opposite of that. You follow Jesus Christ, you will have the most adventurous and joyful life you would ever have. I mean, that's what Young Life Camp tries to do, right? That's the whole reason, I mean, I've talked, I've talked about this before, the first night of Young Life Camp used to be the most boring, ridiculous games that could ever be played. You would show up and you literally did initiative games like Trust Fall. I'm not lying, right? That was the first night of camp. The first thing you'd split into these groups and you'd all be standing on a wood, two wood beams and try to walk together uh, down the field. That was night one, okay? And we were like, that's got to change, right? Because first impressions are a big deal too. And Jesus Christ is not boring. Jesus Christ is so... Eventually, the obstacle course, the middle of the night, through the woods, in the mud, yelling, screaming, going crazy, is born. Okay? But that's reflective of what we, who we want to be. I don't want to lose that. Just because we're big, just because we've been around a a long time, I don't want us to lose that adventurous idea. Okay? I'm not telling you to go bridge jumping with kids. Okay? That's not what I'm telling you to do. Okay, But if you do something that's adventurous and exciting with kids, I'm not going to be angry with you if it's born of the right spirit. Does that make sense? I might call you and say, hey, I heard you went bridge jumping with kids. Don't do that anymore. Okay, Yeah, it's fun. I'm glad nobody died, but let's not do that. Okay? Right? Do you guys get what I'm saying? Like, you... I'm telling you, think outside of the box with this, right? That's how things like the clubble was born. You guys know what that is? Like the giant club inside a big giant bubble. There are all kinds of things that have been born out of this idea. The, the video scavenger hunt stuff, that, do people still do the video scavenger hunts? That, right? That kind of stuff was born out of this ideas of like, we've got to go over the top. We really need to show that Christianity following Christ is adventurous and is joyful. And I'm wonderful, totally okay with you purposely trying to do that. You never do that at the expense of, of others. You never mock people or make fun of people or go and, you know, hey, let's go and, you know, take baseball bats to the other schools, teams, cars, whatever. You know, you don't do stupid, ridiculous things, right, at the expense of others. So you got to be smart about it. But I trust you guys in that stuff. And I want that to be a part of who we are. All right, if you turn it over, I'm just going to close with this. I'm not going to keep going so I know I'm over. But um, this is a quote from the early church.
And again, just as a reminder of trying to, as us, who we are, what we do, I want us to be reflective of the early church. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, again, I'm not saying this is better or than anything. There's no, I'm not saying this in any kind of like criticalness of other things. But I am saying like, I think it's fun that Young Life doesn't have a building. That's another thing, Maddie, she's just young. She keeps saying, Dad, you need to buy a building for Young Life. We just need to have like a giant place where people can go and have fun. We can have a club there. It'd be awesome. I'm like, well, Maddie, I, I get it. I get how that could be fun. But there's a good reason that we don't have any buildings. There's a reason that we meet in everyone's homes. There's a, meet, a reason that we're divided into all these communities and Simon Kenton kids meet together with Simon Kenton students and Scott students meet with Scott students, right? There, there's a reason that we do all that, okay? And it is reflective of, A, I would say it's more effective, but it also is neat, I think, how it reflects a lot of early church stuff. They just met in homes. It, wasn't a, it, was, it was meeting, growing. They would meet in homes. They'd encourage each other, build each other up. They'd go out. Wherever they were, they'd try to share the gospel. They'd try to talk to their friends. They'd try to talk to people around them. And if people wanted to respond to Christ, they bring them back to the home to learn more about Christ. <coughs> Someone decides to follow Christ, they'd baptize them, and then they'd be a part of their fellowship in the home, the worship that they would have. It wasn't dependent on people who had master's degrees and were 50 years old who had you know doctorates in this and that. The early church, it was people who love Jesus and we are just looking for more people who love Jesus and we're not you know nobody you're qualified when you love Jesus right a lot of great things so this was a, a quote from that book they were passionately convinced of the truth of the gospel they were persuaded that men and women were lost without it I think of 1 Corinthians 50 uh, or Acts 26 18 to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Think of, think of how big of a deal this is. Again, I know I've said it, but when new people come in, with we are talking about who we are, please, please keep reminding yourself, this is a big deal. And I know you're young. And I know, and in many senses, I, I always think it's ironic how God asks so much of people who are so young. But he is asking you to save people's lives. They're literally their eternal lives. More important than if they were literally about to get hit by a car, it's more important that you are trying to help them hear about Jesus and have a real walking faith with him. To open their eyes from darkness to light, from the power of Satan himself, who has a hold on them, to turn them to the power of God. The early church was convinced this was a huge deal. We have to be people. We are people who are convinced this is a big deal. And again, that's part of who we are. They were passionately convinced of the truth of the gospel. They were persuaded that men and women were lost without it. It was the key to eternal life without which they would perish. They shared in God's own love, poured it out on a needy world. They paid heed to Christ's great commission. They sought to interpenetrate society with the gospel which had so profound an effect on them gospel centered 
we, I've come back to this over and over again. I will always keep coming back to this. We are grace-centered, gospel-centered people who love the story. Uh, I'm revising the songbooks, finally. I'm taking out the uh, 55 songs that I'm the only one who knows, so they'll finally be gone. I'm sorry. I know I'm disappointed and none of you else are, but I'm revising the songbooks, and I am going to buy songbooks for all of your schools where you have them for campaigners. So we are gonna we're gonna make worship a, a thing that's good, okay? So that's happening. I'm telling you all this because I could not get myself to take out the hymn. I love to tell the story, okay? Because the words and what it says and is profound and awesome, and I love it. And it's one of the few songs that's still in there that none of you probably know, which we'll try to sing one of these days. I love to tell the story. So. Catch this stuff. If this, tell me this isn't resonate with who we are. Christianity for them was no hour slot on Sunday. It affected everything they did and everyone they met. As far as we can tell, their church life was warm and nourishing for the most part and equipped people to move out with the good news. The ordinary Christians, the missionaries, the academics, the women, all seem to have shared, all of them shared in the same passionate commitment to the cause. Indeed, Glenn Henson in his book Evangelism of the Roman Empire sees them as fulfilling an almost military project. The militaristic analogies favored by Christian writers from Paul to Tertullian, despite the fact that Christians refuse to enter the army, suggest a coherent a recognition a coherence, a recognition of spiritual battle, and a fierce and frequently apo, apo, thank you, apocalyptic commitment such as existed in the Qumran Coventers. The first Christians were rather like the early communists, small groups bound together by an overmastering passion, or like the Maquis in the Second World War, secret groups of men who would stop at nothing to bring the final day of victory nearer. The Maquis were in France, right? France was overrun by Germany, but these were pockets of soldiers and people that kept fighting. Right? They were not going to give up to free France from Germany's rule. But our Western churches show little of that spirit. They prefer to see themselves as a hospital rather than an army. Yet this almost military vision, commitment, and sacrifice is a major characteristic of the overflowing churches in Africa, Asia, and Latin America today. Without something like it in the West, how will anyone in our jaded society be moved? They may be pardoned for reflecting. These people are Christians, are they? Very nice for them, if they are if they like that sort of thing. But it has nothing to offer me. Not until we in the West burn with a passion, which is almost a pain, to reach people with the gospel, will we be likely to take the matter seriously. The... Uh, First Corinthians 15, Paul says this. In 1558, and he says, therefore, starts off with therefore, which again, if you know scripture, you want to look at what came before the therefore to know why he's saying that. Well, Paul spends 50 through 57 basically talking about the fact that heaven is real. The resurrection is real. 
you this is true. You will live forever. You will see God. This will happen. Death is no more. That's what 50 through 57 is talking about. And he says, therefore, and if you guys if you guys believe in God and you guys believe that Jesus, you profess Christ, then you profess that you believe that you will stand before God, that every high school kid you know will stand before God, that we will all stand before God, that you confess that heaven is real, that there is, it is going to happen. Jesus real, will return. That's, what we, that's who, what we confess. If you believe that to be real, you don't have a choice, I believe, in how to respond. It's time to go. It's time to do all that we can. That's what we do. That's why it feels like an army thing. Because it's, it's like a short life, and we got a little bit of time to do everything we can to help everybody we can. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. All the work you're going to put in it's going to make, it makes every bit of difference. There are, there, there are people like to find significance in so many things, and it's just not, you know, all the medals you could win, all the, the degrees you could get, all the money you could make, all the titles you could get. I mean, there are so many things that people try to put purpose into. They won't matter. It, it's not, there are in vain, all those things. There's one thing. The labor of the Lord is not in vain. That's it. And that's got to be a deep characteristic of who we are.